0: up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. 2023 college football season approaches. We bring on Dave Shoemate of Mach 10 Sports to talk Gamecocks, SEC, and everything in between. Dave, long time coming, my friend, been following your work for a little bit. You guys do a fantastic job. It's a pleasure to have you on. What's going on, my man?
2: Chris, what's up, man? I appreciate you having me on, man. No, Spurs Up Show. That's what I get. That's where I get my Carolina content. But uh, no, I appreciate you having me on, man. You know, we were trying to get on for a while and uh, glad we can do it.
0: Dave, first things first, before we get rolling, I'm sure there's many folks tuned in that are not familiar with you. Let folks know who you are, what Mock 10 Sports is, yeah. and most importantly, where they can find you. Yeah.
2: Uh, so first, so I worked in college football for about 10 years out of college, went to the University of Alabama, uh, started there as a student assistant, and worked at a couple uh, Miami at a school. The SEC schools are Georgia, Auburn, Texas A&M. And then the last school I worked at was UCF with Gus Malzahn his first year. Uh, I'm now in Oxford, Mississippi, um working there but mock 10 sports started it last year right before the football in july 2022 i think july 28th to be exact 2022 just always followed the sec i'm originally from the coast of mississippi uh like i said grew up an alabama fan went to alabama um but then kind of the fanhood i think a little bit once i worked in football i had to go back a little bit but still uh love the sec football basketball baseball cover that stuff so just trying to bring you some of the best sec content around
0: Dave, cut from the cloth of SEC football, been in the game, around the game. That being said, Dave, let's get into it. We're going to start with the Gamecocks, obviously. South Carolina is a fascinating team in 2023. You know, they're one of those teams at the first two years of Shane Beamer. They've overachieved, smashed all preseason expectations in each of those two seasons. You look at South Carolina last year, and the computers hate the Gamecocks, by the way, because it may not always be the flashiest or the sexiest way of winning. But Beamer Ball, special teams, being opportunistic on defense, doing the little things right that it takes to win a football game, they do that. We'll start on the offensive side, Dave. The leader of this group, of course, Spencer Rattler. There were mixed reviews of him this time last year. And I think a lot of those were justified, especially throughout the first 10 games of the season. He finishes the 2022 season hotter than I'd say any quarterback in college football. I know you did preseason quarterback rankings for the SEC, and you actually made waves on Twitter because I believe you had KJ Jefferson ninth in that because of your projections, which is fair in the Dan Enos offense. We can get to that more a little bit later in the show. But when you look at Spencer Rattler, what he did last season, the question is, which version of them do they get more of? How do you view his game right now? How do you view him going into twenty twenty three? Where is he on your quarterback rankings? And I mean, just what do you make of the Gamecock signal caller,
2: So, Spencer Rattler? I was high on Spencer Rattler going into the season last year. Uh, had some buddies be like, man, he's just so inconsistent. How do you have him adjust to the SEC in a year being pretty pretty good? I mean, right off the bat, he he struggled some, but I think is it's well noted uh, those last that last month of the season, even in the Notre Dame the bowl game. Uh, I thought he played pretty well. I mean, going back to the Tennessee Clemson, like I said, the Notre Dame game, thought he played to what you would expect his potential to be. Um, Just from hearing stuff, uh, talking to a couple people in there, I feel like Dow Logans is actually going to fit him better as an overall passer. From what I understand, you've well documented it. It sounds like Satterfield, Marcus Satterfield, put almost too much – it was almost like a Cheesecake Factory menu. You know what I mean? You go into the Cheesecake Factory, you're flipping, you're like – Got, that sounded good. but Now, I, I forgot about that. That's three things. So, it's only too big of a menu of plays from what it sounded like. Uh, but, no, I think, Spencer Rattler, I think I had Spencer Rattler in my top four. I think he may have had him fifth. But I, I'm just going to keep – I think he has the most upside in the league overall. I think – I mean, arm talent, arm strength, you're going to – I feel like I shouldn't have said arm talent. I said arm strength from a standpoint. I think everybody's going to go Joe Milton. But I don't think necessarily arm strength is the thing. It makes the best quarterback. But I think Spencer Rattler, if he can just grow within this system, I think they're going to set him up for success more this year. I think he can finish in the top two or three in the league as a passer, but also I think some of it's going to have to be some support cast around him. I think your, you well-documented on your show. I think he's going to start up front on the offensive line. I think you're going to have somebody to carry on Joiner to help a Juju McDowell, who I don't think can be a full-time guy in the run game for him. I think it's going to be a little bit out of Spencer Rattler's control, and I think some of it's going to be between the run game and how Dow Logans can actually set him up for success. I don't know if that's moving the pocket, if they're not able to pass protect well, but something to be able to throw off play action – Spencer Rattler himself, the ceiling's through the roof, as we all know. We saw that his first year at Oklahoma. We saw that at the end of the year last year. I think this year, I trust him. My biggest question mark is, is the support cast specifically up front going to help him reach his full potential?
0: And Dave, you mentioned that offensive line. It's an offensive line that returns 50 less starts than it had a season ago, and that was a line that finished outside of the top 100 in rushing offense, gave up 31 sacks. So they went to the transfer portal, added a couple of guys from the FCS levels looking to shore that up and hope for protection and more of a run push. You mentioned the running back position, of course, Dikevion Joyner, Juju McDowell. They also brought in, Division 2 transfer Mario Anderson and freshman four-star Dontavius Braswell that will be with the team this fall and this season of course will yep. be fighting for reps. You know, you look on the outside, Juice Wells is a great place to start when you're talking about weapons and guys that can help out a quarterback. I think there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. It's very unproven, but it is high upside, high talent. And in the tight end position, you add Trey Knox and Joshua Simon from Western Kentucky. Of course, Knox coming over from Arkansas Dabble Loggins, the offensive coordinator, also coming from Arkansas. Let me ask you this, Dave. Your experience being in college football, you know, I had very mixed feelings, admittedly, on the hiring just because you look at Dabble Loggins' resume. And what he did in the NFL was not promising. But you listen to folks talk about him. You talk to some folks in Fayetteville. They mention how much he's an elite recruiter and did a good job there. Granted, it was coaching tight ends. How much value, how much stock do you put into, you know, a guy comes from NFL – to the collegiate level. Not everybody's built for both levels. I mean, heck, we saw it. The great Nick, who's the greatest head coach in college ball history. He couldn't cut it with the Miami Dolphins. So like when you evaluate an offensive coordinator, even a head coach, but we're going to stick with OC for the sake of this conversation. Do you really care? I should say about the NFL resume, or is it just kind of a blank slate? Like, where do you fall on that? And then of course the Gamecocks OC double loggins, And like you mentioned, a simplified attack that he'll bring to Columbia.
2: I guess – so I was at Georgia in 2015 when Mike Bobo left to go be the head coach of Colorado State. They hired Brian Schottenheimer, who was coming over, I think, from the time – I forget where he – but he was coming from the NFL. Maybe I think he was past the Jets at that point, but I forget where he was coming over from. I think sometimes it is limiting that menu a little bit or just the overall knowledge you can't give these guys, the college guys, because they're doing so much stuff other than that, going to class and whatnot, where they're not in the building as much – you almost have to limit it to what they can actually handle. And also, like, are you a good overall teacher? Like, you hear some stuff on, for example, this is the opposite side of the ball, but Pete Golden almost being – he would go over some of those guys' heads in that room, kind of like, this guy's almost too smart for us. Like, you know, like, it's – I don't know if – I've never worked with Dialogues. I don't know if that is the case. I think that would be somewhat of a concern. Um, overall, though, he's worked with some good minds, though. I mean, like you said, the NFL – his pedigree ain't great in the NFL, but he's worked with guys with good his minds like Sean Payton. I saw when looking at his bio. It's. I don't know him personally, but he is going to be key, I think, in developing Spencer Rattler. They said that you, as you know, as you know it too, it seems like they've said all the right things going through spring. That Spencer Rattler and him are on the same page. But again, I don't think we'll know till really when they're kicking off in Charlotte against North Carolina. But again, it's not like a real sexy hire. But you trust Shane Beamer that hey, he really likes this guy. Um, I think he sets us up offensively to be as good as we can be for the twenty twenty three season.
0: Dave, I want to go back to Juice Wells because I feel like he's a guy obviously talked about a ton in Gamecock circles, but I still don't feel like at this point throughout the SEC, certainly nationally, that he's mentioned all that much. Where would you rank him in regards to top receivers in the SEC? Because I, I Dave, personally, I'd put him right up there against Malik Neighbors from LSU. And I don't think I'm being biased there. And I, I think you can make a strong case Juice Wells is the best returning receiver in the SEC for this season.
2: Yeah, for sure. I would say just true number one dude. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you're listing them off. I mean, you're going to go him for sure. Juice Williams, Juice Wells is going to be there. Malik um, Neighbors will be in there. I think Alabama's a little bit more of a buy committee. I don't really think they have the dudes, people like like the dude. dudes. Somebody, I think their sophomore class could be pretty good with Kobe Prince in them, but it's to be determined. That could happen this season. I mean, who we think Tennessee? I don't really right now. I mean, sounds like they like some of the things the Thornton kid from Oregon's doing, but that's another TBD.
0: Hey, Lad- I don't really Lad- like. Lane Fl- was a first teamer a preseason All SEC. For- uh, uh- uh- yeah,
2: you're right. Unless one of their transfers, in Dominic Lovett or Ra Thomas, step up. I mean, you like some of Kentucky's guys, but I wouldn't say they're. Antoine Wells is more of a true number one than there. I, th- I like Kentucky's depth, but I think Antoine Wells would be the number one guy on that on that in that wide receiver corps. Tennessee, they just have. Drew McCoy, if he can stay healthy, like we mentioned them. Um, I mean, you talk Luther Burden, and stuff. So, but, yeah, I, I would agree. I think for sure in the cover, top three, just where are you going to place him in that top three for sure, if not top two. I mean, you named him Malik Neighbors. I think Cole Kubick one time said he was his number one receiver. I, I I tend to agree for that right now. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, who else could it be? Arkansas lost all their guys. I mean, you could throw in a guy, Gavin like Stewart, who has freak side upside at A&M, but not, it's not as proven as Antoine Wells is.
0: Dave, we could do an entire show on the malpractice that it took to list Ladd McConkey a preseason first teamer over Juice Wells, and, just <laughs> and that's
2: no. And I'm sure you're not that uh, of your disrespect. Sorry to, Ladd not,
0: sorry to uh, any Georgia fans who may or may not be listening, but yeah, it's not disrespect, to Ladd McConkey. Yeah, Juice Wells could be on Tennessee's roster. I, I don't care what roster he's on. No, he'd play he, for anybody in the league for sure. He's a first teamer. So uh, moving to the defensive side, Dave. When you look at the Gamecocks, you know you mentioned the line of scrimmage and the struggles there offensively. It's kind of ironic it's the same thing on both sides, line of scrimmage on the defensive side. I mean, you finish outside of the top 100 and stopping the run, which really just pausing for a second, Dave, really just makes you give even more appreciation to the fact this team won eight games last year when you finish outside of the top 100 in running the ball and stopping the run. And you've been around football long enough, Dave, you know that if you can't run the ball and you can't stop the run, you typically don't win a lot of games and you lead the conference in turnovers. That is a surefire path to missing a bowl game. However, South Carolina mm-hmm. overcame it. Uh, you look at what they have coming back. though. got gutted in the portal when guys like Jordan Birch, Gilbert Edmond left. You do pick up a guy like Jatius Gear out of Syracuse. Jordan Strawn back from injury. Mo Kaba back from injury at linebacker. I think they're going to be improved there with Stone Blanton. And uh, Grayson Pop Howard, the true freshman, coming in. Also, yeah. Ron Willis, a former Ole Miss Rebel, uh, picked him up out of the transfer portal. And then the secondary – Uh, You know, you replace a pair of corners, Cam Smith, Devious Rush on the outside, but you feel like Torian Gray, that's a guy you give the benefit of the doubt. They're Gamecocks defensive defensive backs coach that has done just a fantastic job to this point. So, again, you look at this defense, Dave, as a whole, the rush defense numbers have been porous. The second three has benefited. I had the late, great Brad Lowing tell me one time, Dave, that was a fantastic defensive line coach. Chris, as a defensive coach, you should never brag about your your past defense stats because all you're telling to yep. you is you can't stop the run. And, and I mean, yep. I'm not taking anything away from the secondary, but that that has been yep. a main issue for Carolina. I mean, again, you give up 198 yards per game last year. So you look at that defense; they've been really, really opportunistic. Again. That's a group where I think there's talent and there's upside, but I think there's serious question marks when you figure you got to replace six of your top eight based off a snap count in the front seven, and you got to replace a pair of NFL corners. You also got a pair of big time safeties back there, and Eamon Wari and DQ Smith. But there's a lot of questions. I think there's more questions on this Game Cox defense than there has been in quite some time.
2: Yeah, I was doing some research the other day. I was really doing some homework on Auburn, and South Carolina came up too. Like you said, they, were there 180 yards on the ground per game. What was it again you said
0: yards per game last year? 198 they gave up.
2: It's I think it just improved that to just a big jump. I mean, if you could get in the 140 range during the top fifty in rush defense, was sitting great? I think overall today in football, I think you would agree. I think with it how it teams are so spread out horizontally now. And it's just a box numbers game. I think people are more inclined to give up more rushing yards because it's like, all right, like well, I'll give you three yards for back in the day, 2009, 2010, people are holding people to good really good defenses to what 1.8 yards per carry. I don't really think that's gonna happen as much anymore. But you're right. I think for South for South Carolina, I think to get to that eight win total. And that, and that's I think that's kind of the game ceiling this year. Uh I know you didn't ask me that, but that's kind of where I think their ceiling is this year. The run defense for sure is gonna have to improve. It's like you said, I think that'll translate then you'll really know what the secondary is like. Because I'm like you, I like both. Saf- I like the safeties. I like the safeties, but the, losing both corners, um, Cam Smith and Darius, West, I don't think we'll really know that until the front seven starts stopping people and getting that number from 190 to somewhere you'd hope they could get into the 160 range. Maybe 150 uh, yards giving up a game, maybe a little too much of a ask in one season. You got to, I think you almost have to get it to that 160 range for them to ultimately reach potentially that eight-win season, I think, in the Cox this year.
0: Now, Dave, moving to special teams, I don't think it should surprise us that Beamer Ball has taken over and impacted games the way it has. I mean, you look at what Frank Beamer did at Virginia Tech, and Shane Beamer sort of picked up that torch and kept it moving. But when you look at South Carolina football, what is your what are your takeaways, your thoughts when you watch them and you just watch the way that special teams has – I mean, it has really impacted games for them whether it be blocked punts, it be returns, it be Kai Kroger in the punt game, it be Mitch G yep. in the game. I mean, they are, you know, whether it be the fake game, two-point conversions, I mean, I said this two years ago before a snap was ever taken in the Shane Beamer era, that you know what, with Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo, they're going to have the best coach special teams in all of college football. Little did I know exactly what that meant. Because, I mean, it has been through the first two seasons – it's been incredible. And, you know, week after week, we kept saying, we keep saying, well, I mean, can you really depend on special teams to win a game? Like, but South Carolina, I think when you look at them and you're a team that you're trying to overachieve, pull some upsets, beat some teams that maybe you're quote unquote, not supposed to stealing that facet of the game, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you win two of three facets. You got a good shot of winning. If we can steal one, that makes things a little bit easier for us. The path to w- victory just got a little simpler. But, like, when you watch South Carolina, I mean, does it kind of amaze you seeing just how successful they are on special teams?
2: But Yeah, I think I think it goes back to you were saying in another question, talking about it, it's crazy how bad South Carolina was on both, li- both sides of the line of scrimmage last year and still won eight. But I think that's a tribute. Like you said, Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo. I mean, me and Jake Crane had an SEC coaches draft. and I, I mean, we kind of utilized the usual 11 coaches, and I picked – Pete, I know some people call it crazy, but Pete Limbo is one of the 11. is a special teams guy. But it's like, I remember watching the, just off the top of my head, the Georgia State game. I think it was game, Williams game one last year. If they don't play well on special teams, they may have – well, that game comes down to the very, very end, maybe could have lost. But, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a gritty special teams unit, and you can tell it looks like the kids take pride in playing on it. It's kind of something that's, like, important because in my history, you'd be amazed, and I'm sure you, you know this. How many guys you almost got a bag to get on special teams, especially and sometimes it's crazy. This freshman redshirt freshman, sophomores are like, I don't want to just play special teams if they're not a full time contributor. It's like got to get special teams tape on. But I think from an NFL standpoint, you're playing on that South Carolina special teams unit, like you said, Shane Beamer, Beamer Ball, Heat Limbo has been around the game for a while. Obviously, his first two years, but he doubled his salary. I don't, it never happens with special teams in a year doubles his salary. I think that gives some credentials. I don't know why you wouldn't be going to Shane Beamer's office or Pete Limbo's office and wanting to go get on some kind of special teams unit, that's probably happening. But, no, I think that was a difference in three game, two to three games for him last year for them to
0: get to eight. I think it's
2: going to have to be the same for him this year.
0: The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Download the Game Time app or head over to gametime.co and use the promo code SPURSUP for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S P or S U P, for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. And Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at GameTime. Go download the GameTime app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SpursUp. That's S P or S U P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So Dave, when you look at Shane Beamer's South Carolina football program, you mentioned the ceiling. You said eight wins, correct? For you this year, believe it or not, that's this also, year. that's also my best case scenario for South Carolina. And 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 many, you know, I, I I'm sure you know from Dave. Follow my content. I, I I keep it as real. I keep it a buck as anybody. I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Sunshine and rainbows. I I you know I always tell people there's this there is the Garnet glasses, optimistic view of things, and this can apply to any team, by the way, but I'm using South Carolina, of course, as the example. There's the Garnet glasses, optimistic view. There's the Chicken Curse pessimistic view. And then there's the middle, which is where we try to be and be realistic and be honest and be genuine and keep it real and keep it a buck because that's what plays and that's what wins. I think the best case scenario for South Carolina is that eight and four that you mentioned. You talk nine and three. I I just think that's too aggressive right now for this team because Dave, admittedly, I thought they were better last year. Like when I compare the two teams, I think they were slightly better last year. Not to say they can't match last year's win total, but I think they have more question marks and more potential deficiencies than they had a season ago. With that being said, I've locked in seven and five. But when when you look at this program as a whole, where they fit in the SEC East, the job that Shane Beamer is doing, Uh, Just give us your thoughts, again, on Shane Beamer, the coach, the program he's building. You see what they're doing in recruiting. You know, it feels like at least that no matter what happens this year, you win six, you win seven, you win eight, South Carolina football is in really good hands under Shane Beamer's leadership.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, well-documented here. Awesome human being. I had a short stint with Shane Beamer when I was at Georgia uh, before I went and left at Auburn, right, when he got there with Kirby Smart as the tight end special teams coach. Great guy, family guy. I mean, he is who he portrays. I, can, I don't know if I can always say that for the people I work for, but he is who he portrays, Uh real family guy. But overall, I think he's as good – I think he is the perfect fit for South Carolina. Honestly, the I think the promotion, I always thought the creative squad there always did when I was in those – when I was in those hiring roles, I tried to always hire somebody from there. I think the blend and the mixture of the creative department and Shane Beamer's willingness to really do whatever he bring, they bring to him, according to some people – it's awesome. I think that's awesome. He, the new facilities coming to Perth, well, what try most champions then were in that those facilities, what, for a year or two? Was it just a yeah, year? A couple,
0: yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. I think like two. I years. think
2: that the perfect timing, all that coming in. I think a lot of people want to play want to play for him. I've heard the NIL is on its way up from what they from really what they want to compete. Adding Oklahoma and Texas into the league starting next year will be interesting. Obviously, no more divisions, so no more winning East or West. So I don't really think that'll be much of a pressure, but it wouldn't shock me. I mean, think about it. the Gamecocks. I think the match the SEC would ever get into a 12-team playoff would be four teams. It wouldn't shock me if South Carolina got into a playoff finish in the top 12 and at large at one point. But this season specifically, I think the upside's is through the roof for the entire program in the Shane Beamer era. I, I think he's the perfect fit. I don't know who else you would want to go get. This year, though, you said you picked seven and five. I, I keep looking at all these team schedules every day. I, I'll probably put my I'll probably put my SEC at, uh, West and East predictions out in about two weeks. But just looking at it now, I'll probably go six and six for South Carolina. And it's like you said, I think they were going to be better last year than they are this year. But I don't think that's some dent in the overall program or the direction it's going. I think the schedule is difficult this year. Um, I think there's still question marks up front, offensive. Obviously, as, we, as we've discussed, on the offensive line and defensive line. Inevitably, injuries are going to happen that we don't talk about in preseason on the offensive line and probably defensive line. Um, I just think the schedule is so difficult. I think it is a six and six year, but I think it's going to be one of those six and six years that is a little bit more sweet than bitter because I think they're going to end that losing streak to South to Missouri. I think they're going to go beat Missouri this year if they can go get that Florida win. I think they could go six and six and beat Florida, beat Missouri. Still a solid six and six season. I mean, there's a kind of differences of six and sixes. I think you'd have to go win your bowl game after so you don't finish with a losing season. But it just kind of feels like a six and six season. Like, I'm not trying to be pessimistic or anything, but I don't think that's in any like, hey, we're the fork and row, we went six and six, we're going, the, we're going the wrong way. I still think ship steady. I just think it's one of those years because I like, I like the recruiting class that's coming in. I I really do. I like everything that's coming in. They recruited well. I think they're always going to. Being the portal to some extent, getting guys that fit in. But I think just this year is just one of those years. I could just see it just a uh, hey, it's nothing against Shane Beamer or what they're doing. I just think it's another. Uh, just give it to 24. And I think you start seeing the consistent and anywhere from seven to nine wins a season. I just think this year is more of a six and six, 500 season. Like I said, a lot of that's with the schedule. A lot of that's with the season. I think, I mean, you tell me, I was talking about it a little bit on my show. I think they need to go, I mean, in a perfect world, you like to be three and two after the first five. You're two and three. It's not bad. I, they have to get one of those North Carolina, Mississippi State. Right. I don't think many people are predicting them, obviously, to go to Athens and win or go to Knoxville and win. I think you, you have to get one of North Carolina, Mississippi State. If you got both, you'd be fired up because I'm counting the Furman game as a win.
0: Yeah, I, I would say, Dave, you prefer to win both, obviously. You, at worst, have to split. If you lose both, I think all of a sudden – like I mean, if you, even if you lose in North Carolina, I think it's going to be – there's going to be a readjustment of expectations very quickly because nobody in Gamecock Nation is expecting to lose that game. And, and I mean, I don't blame. Yeah. But you see, Vegas, the total, the, the the spread keeps going in the favor of the Tar Heels for whatever reason. I've picked that as a win. But if you lose the UNC, maybe expectations are reset. I would agree. Although we've seen Shane Beamer and company really catch fire at the end of each of his first two seasons. But yeah, you've at worst gotten a split for sure. So uh, you know, I, I think that. Uh, you know, as long as you split those, like you mentioned, you get to that three and two start, I think you'll be fine to again at minimum hit that six, maybe get to seven. Who knows? Maybe get to eight wins. Uh this- you, you
2: start three and two, you got a shot to get to eight. I'm with you. If you start three and two, it split the Florida Missouri heck, you get both of those. You're you're feeling good. Should beat Bandy. I mean A and M should be it will be difficult. I think Kentucky's gonna be pretty good this year. Then obviously Clemson's gonna be looking for revenge but the Clemson games, it will really be. So I mean that helps, too. But I'm like you, you're right. The The expectations, and you're, you're in you're in the state of South Carolina, so you tell me as well, that North Carolina game is going to set the tone for expectations. Like a win, people are going to be oh, man, eight wins, and the overly optimistic people are probably going to be nine. You lose, like you said, people start it's a six-and-six six kind of season.
0: It's undoubtedly – Dave, a tone setter for the 2023 season for both sides. For dude, both teams, I've, yeah. I've, I've, we've had a, a guy from the North Carolina perspective, and, I mean, they echo the same exact thing. So, college game day will be there. to be fascinating. Dave, I'm glad you also mentioned injuries happen. We don't like to talk about them, but that's another thing that, like, you have to factor in when making predictions is, like, dude, we're giving predictions based off, of, okay, this is the best version of all these teams. This is what would play out. Injuries are inevitably going to happen, and who has the depth to withstand it? South Carolina's got to keep their fingers crossed. They don't get injuries or don't have injuries at the wrong spots. Dave, let's talk a little SEC football. We'll go to the West Mm -hmm. really quickly. You were mentioning Auburn. I'm going to throw one at you here. Texas A&M just brought on Bobby Petrino, at offensive coordinator. They've got tons of talent. The way they've been recruiting, we see what Hugh Freeze is doing, the way that he's recruiting, and many believe that he can be a really quick fix, and in turn, a couple of years from now, have Auburn competing back at the top of the SEC West. If you could buy stock in one of the two programs right now, who would you go with? I, I know the easy answer is Texas A&M, but it feels like all they've done under Jimbo is under Achieve, and Hugh Freeze, again, is known for these quick turnarounds. He's beaten Nick Saban. I think if you dig a little deeper, like it's, it's not an easy answer, or easy as some may think. You look at Auburn and A&M, who are you taking in the long run?
2: So long, you're not talking just this year, not but long haul. Year, no, no,
0: because I think, I think Auburn's, they go six and six. That's a success. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't think, I think Hugh Freeze was very forthcoming at SEC Media Days when he said patience. I mean, he was literally pleading for patience. We have more parks yep. than I've ever experienced as a head coach. So I was actually like stocked down on Auburn after SEC Media Days. And Jimbo and AM, they should be good this year. They should win at minimum. Eight games. You could say at minimum nine yeah. games with the talent. Nine, game. yeah. Long run? I, I don't know. I, I don't know.
2: Long run? I'm gonna go with Auburn and Hugh Freeze. I when the whole Lane Kiffin stuff was going around, I, I was like, this is not. He's not a good fit for Auburn because Lane Kiffin's one of those guys. It's like they get him out here. It's, it's a borderline miracle for him to come light the Christmas tree or something. He'll come on with a hoodie over his ear, like I said, or over his head. So like I said, Hugh Freeze will come light every Christmas tree in town, and I feel like Auburn is a fan base. Just from working there and being around a little bit, they like their, they want to, they want their coach to kind of embrace them and kind of be out and about in the community. Like, hey, Coach, I like a, Tommy Tuberville when he was around, obviously beating Alabama six times in a row helps, but also being out and about, being kind of he's a politician now, so it makes sense, out and about, talking to people. I think Hugh Free's personality fits that perfectly. you know he's always been an elite recruiter. I think he's going to recruit there. Auburn, I think, is as organized as anyone in the league from an NIL perspective, and they're on, on to victory collective I think they're real organized with the coaching staff it sounds like the boosters um the administration with John Cohen and them down to Hugh Freeze are all on the same page for the first time it seems in forever now we say that everything's I mean Hugh Freeze is undefeated and lost the game yet so it sounds good now but I do think I mean you're seeing with the flips over this weekend against Alabama and Georgia um with Demarcus Riddick and Perry Thompson I just I I think Auburn's gonna be good I, I, I really I think Auburn's Going to be a consistent eight to ten win season starting in twenty four. Uh, eight to ten win team. Um, I'm actually going to do a segment on my show. Can Auburn, Georgia, and Alabama all be good? Uh, all be really good for a four to five year period at a time because I think Auburn's about to be at that. I think this is the first time since Nick Saban's been at Alabama. This is Alabama's first real recruiting threat that's been at Auburn. Now, I mean, like Gene Chizik and them signed a couple of good classes. I mean, Tuberville almost doing the white towel. He didn't want to do that anymore. Chizik and them had some good classes but it obviously faded out. Dustin and them recruited all right. They missed a ton on offensive linemen, but Kevin Steele and Rodney Gardner did a good job recruiting, and Will Muschamp to an extent. I don't think he gets enough credit sometimes. For that one year he was there, but he brought in a lot of those guys on defense when they started to be good. It's just, I feel like for the first time, you really feel like, it feels like Auburn's kind of got their ducks in a row here, and they got the right guy, uh, the right university right now. I mean, A&M, I think A&M's obviously going to be better than Auburn this year. Um, A&M, I th- I'm with you. I think A&M's got to win nine games this year. That, that, talking to people there, they like their team. I mean, it's like I say on my show sometimes, at some point in a positive way, their talent's going to catch up to them. Like their defensive line had to play early last year because of some injuries. D.J. Durkin can kind of just let his guys play and take like a Kevin, a steal. Hey, like let's not make my guys think too much and like draw up the perfect scheme. Let, let's just let them play. They should be fine. They got some concerns out in corner. I'm actually more worried about their defense a little bit than I am. Offensively, you talk to them, they're fired up if they can find some consistent running backs. I think they'll miss Devon A. Chain a little more they're thinking, than uh, they think just going back watching that LSU game last year. He created a lot, uh, great vision, got skinny through the hole. He created a lot of extra yards uh, after the line of scrimmage there. But yeah, I think AM, if it's not nine wins, depends what it looks like with eight and four, Jimbo could be in trouble. But again, I think they're going to be pretty good offensively. It's just EJ Durkin, did they get that second year improvement like he did at Ole Miss? And if that happens, I think A&M outside of Georgia is just as talented as anyone else in the SEC on paper. Now, that, I, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily translate to wins. But I think this is the most open the West has been since probably 2014, 15. I throw A&M there. They survived the injury bug. Durkin can improve the defense of like that second year, like I said. The offense is as good as they think it's going to be, and they have some continuity and everybody's on the same page. I think a and M ceiling's 11 wins. Now, also, it could go bad and go five or six wins as well, but just – on paper, I think they should be pretty good. It's like you mentioned, Chris, they, they should not lose more than three games. It worse four, depending on what the injuries look like.
0: Dave, to the SEC East, you mentioned the Georgia Bulldogs, and Kirby and them talked about complacency and, and their biggest enemy being Georgia. Do you believe that, or do you think there's a team maybe on their schedule, we're all talking about how easy the schedule is, Are there any landmines? They got to go to Jordan Hare. That's a weird place to play, man. Weird things happen. They got to take on Tennessee in Nealand. What do you make of the Georgia Bulldogs? Do you see them winning three straight national championships, or can somebody trip them up in this 2023 season?
2: I, mean, I think going into the year, you got to think. This is some crazy, outlandish. statement. You got to feel like they're the favorite. You, I, like I say, you like their top forty better than everybody else's top forty from a personnel standpoint. Because, like you were saying, Chris, we're talking about injuries. Everybody in the preseason looking at the top twenty-two. Well, I mean, inevitably, everybody has injuries. Georgia's top forty. It's just a lot. It's better than Alabama's. It's better than LSU's. It's better than it's better than everybody's right now. Um, like you said, their biggest issue is going to be complacency. The schedule just – man, if they went maybe at Columbia or they went maybe go at South Carolina or they go – if they went at Lexington, that's always an ugly game for Georgia. Maybe the only game – you're right, though. I, in the, in the, you mentioned an under-the-radar one we talked about on the show. Auburn will probably be undefeated going into that Georgia game. I think they'll probably be about, I think, 4-0, 5-0 whenever Georgia goes to Jordan-Hare. That place is going to be rocking. He frees his first big home game. That would not shock me if that game's close. I I don't think Auburn will win. It wouldn't shock me Georgia's first road, get true road game, the new starting quarterback, and I think Carson Beck's going to be good. Uh, I could see that game being a little bit like the Missouri game for my year, where it's like they win, but it wasn't very pretty. Um, Again, outside the game, second to last game of the year in Knoxville and Neyland, I just do not see really anybody challenge him. I asked Graham Coffey, who works for Dog Central. He was on the show the other day. Outside of the Tennessee game, what game scares you the most for Georgia? And he said Kentucky, even though it's in Athens. He said it's usually a muck it up, ugly game. But, no, for them to three-peat, I mean, I think the first 12 games are going to win. Who knows who they play in Atlanta for the SEC Championship. So I'm not ready to predict that. Well, let's just say they win that. I mean, they were – Georgia fans may get uh, a little mad about this. I mean, I was at the game last year, the Ohio State game. You were fortunate to win that game. You just never know you're in a playoff scenario, SEC Championship game scenario. You're playing another good team. You bring your B-minus game, one game, not necessarily in the SEC Championship, throwing a feed and lose that, they'll get in the playoffs. But if that semifinal game, you bring your B-minus game in a team like Ohio State last year, brings their A-game, A-plus game, and just not missing a beat, just specifically that day. You may slip up. It's just – in that scenario, it's just tough. So it's tough to just be like, oh, yeah, they're going to 3 P. Like if someone had said, are you to take Georgia or the field to win the national championship, i take the field – uh, I think Georgia does make the playoffs. I'm pretty confident. Like, I'm about nine out of ten on nine out of ten on a ten point scale. Confident they will, but again, tough to say if they'll win the national championship just because the ball sometimes just doesn't bounce your way. I mean, look, Alabama was going for a threepeat in 2013 and ended it on a kick six. I'm crazy. So it's just tough to totally say they're going to win it all. But it's as good as a chance as anyone's had in a 3 threepeat in a very long time.
0: Dave shoemates of Mock 10 Sports does a fantastic job. Dave, one last thing before we get you out of here. Really quickly, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, Tyler Buckner, you're an Alabama man by trade. Who will be Alabama's starting quarterback week one, and will it be the same quarterback that finishes the 2023
2: season? No injuries included. We're no saying. No, you're, yeah. no injuries. I uh, you think the guy that's you saying, we're not predicting We're game not
0: predicting finishes out the year no injuries involved
2: the the toughest part of your question is does he finish it out uh I think it's going to be Ty Simpson I'll go with the Vegas sides there I just I think all three bring running dimensions that Alabama hadn't had in previous quarterbacks that you can implement that Tommy Rich will implement into the offense I just first Jalen Milrow I just I think those plays against Texas a last year are never going to leave Nick Saban's mind I think the only thing that's keeping Jalen Milrow in the competition is I do think the players rally around him he took a lot of the receivers down to Tampa in the offseason through to them. And Nick Saban's big on if you win the locker room. I think that's why Blake Sims won the job and chosen 14 over Jacob Coker. Uh, so he's, I think that's keeping him in it. But I also think in the back of Nick Saban's mind, he's going to be like, look, we're, changing, we're kind of changing our offensive style here. The new rule changes with the clock. We don't need to be turning the ball over because I like our defense. I think that worries him. Uh, Tyler Buckner. Coming over from Notre Dame. gonna be, I think his issue is gonna be the opposite of Jalen Milrose. It's gonna be winning that team over. He hadn't been there long enough. So that'll be interesting. But he does know the system. Um I think he's gonna be Ty Simpson to start off the year, though. I think he's the most multidimensional guy. Uh played the spring game with a dislocated thumb on dislocated thumb on his throwing uh hand. I think he's gonna ultimately win it. You know, I, I'll stick with him for the whole season. I, if there was anybody that wouldn't, or if there was anybody who else could play besides him, I'd go Buckner. I, I don't think Milro's going to play. I would expect Milrow to probably transfer after the season. That may be a bold take. Not really. But I just, I think it's going to be Ty Simpson. Um, I just think overall, he's probably going to give them the best shot to win. And I don't think Alabama's going to have some superstar if they had a quarterback. I don't think they're going to have to be, because I think they're going to do so many other things in the run game and putting, setting their quarterback up for success, just Easy outlet throws to tight ends like CJ Dupree, the Robbie Outs kid out there, and then I think they're incorporating their running, uh, their quarterbacks in the running game more so than we've seen from a design standpoint in a very long time. But yeah, I'll, I'll roll with Ty Simpson to start the year and finish the year.
0: Dave Shoemate, Mock Ten Sports. Dave, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon.
2: Appreciate you, Chris.